you are listening to The Janine Garner Show. Janine is a leading expert on leadership and driving influence through networking and collaboration, passionate about bringing brilliant people together to achieve remarkable results. Join Janine Garner as she shares insights, interviews and conversations, and let's together make the remarkable happen. Welcome to the latest episode of Unleashing Brilliance. And today I am so excited to have as my guest the fabulous Donna McGeorge. As Donna says, she's all about making work work, and we'll be exploring that shortly. But the thing that I love about Donna is she's so passionate about enhancing the time that we spend in the workplace to ensure that it is effective and productive as well as enjoyable. She's worked with managers and leaders throughout Australia and Asia Pacific for over 20 years and works with them to deliver practical skills, training, workshops and facilitation so that they can learn to manage people well and produce great performance and results. Companies such as Nissan, Jetstar, Medibank, Private and Ford Motor Company, she cites as some of her key clients. What I love about Donna is her journey to what she's doing now. Her CV, as she says, reads like her eclectic record collection. Um, And we'll be exploring some of this shortly in terms of her journey from theatre and tours through to organisation, oh God, I can't even say the word this morning, organisational development manager for Ford uh, through to China and then doing what she does now. Um, What she does believe is that when we decide to be intentional, we can absolutely surprise ourselves with what we can achieve. And as the author of five books and her current book, The 25-Minute Meeting, which has hit number three in the uh, book-selling charts in the last week, I think she knows what she's talking about. So welcome, Donna. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. Thanks for joining me. Um, Now, tell me a little bit more about uh, this eclectic CV that you have and how you ended up where you are now. It's it's so interesting. It's it's how far back do you want me to go, right? Oh, so, as far back as you want, Donna. As far back, radio. So when I was four, no, <laughs> um, it's it's been interesting. I, I when I was a, always wanted to be um, a forensic um, investigator, and by that I mean there was a TV show when I was growing up called Quincy MD, and he was the guy that slab and try to figure out how the person died, and I loved all of that. Um, I tried to get work experience in that area, but it just didn't happen. And instead, this is going to be so far, instead I got um, uh, work experience in a music store selling records. And um, and I know that seems that like they're poles apart, those things. So either I'm going to be at a morgue or I'm going to be in a music store. But it absolutely solved me and, and got rid of that kind of, you know, stupid need to be a forensic whatever. Um, and got me on the path to how do people work nicely with each other because it was my first experience ever of working in a team environment where some people didn't like each other and were mean to each other and talked about each other um, not very well. And for me, it was I felt so naive coming into that, but it was my first experience of, wow, this is what it means to work with people as opposed to just be hanging out at school. And so um, that kind of kicked me off. But when you look at my CV, you'll see that I, you know, I did a few years um, as a as a secretary. Um, and when I think back now, thank God I did because I'm terribly organised and know there's nothing I don't know about. 
you know, desktop software as a result of doing that. Um, I did several years at Qantas in a reservations and sales role and I did everything I know now about how to work with customers and um, working in a focused way came from that as well as my husband who I met there. Um, and sport and concert tours stuff was working for a company called Keith Prowse who were a British-based company um, and that taught me real autonomy because um, for, despite my youth, I was, I was in charge of a pretty important um, project, which was basically sending tourists across to see Wimbledon that one year, which was pretty big. Um, so that taught me everything I know about, um, you know, taking responsibility and being where the buck stops. Um, and then, you know, kind of various roles. Eventually I ended up in an IT role teaching to use desktop applications. And that was the beginning of me being on stage, if you will. So starting to do some of the work around and teaching others. Um, and it really was um, being made redundant from a role that, that pushed me to start my own business. And it's nearly 20 years ago now. Wow, 20 years of your own business. Wow. Yeah. So would you describe that, that moment of redundancy as one of those watershed moments that has created what you have become? Absolutely. Most people, when they talk about being made redundant, uh, say things like, oh, it was the best thing that ever happened. It pushed me to do something I was already thinking about, etc." For me, it was a little bit different. So, um, and I, I moved from Sydney to Melbourne in 2000 to take a job um, with Ansett Airlines. And so I'm just going to pause while your audience does the maths around the timing of that mm. because I joined them literally a year before they collapsed. Mm. Um, and I was, you know, it was a big career move for me, um, moved my whole family down, uprooted my husband from his job. So it was a And, of course, they went down the gurgler. And so then I got another job for about months. Um, and then they started going down. In fact, they ended up going down the gurgler, but I got out again before. They made me redundant just before they went down the gurgler. And so I hadn't really been thinking for 18 months, gee, I'm going to start my own business. And so initially it wasn't the best thing that ever happened to me. It mm. was incredibly disruptive. Um, I felt really bad for my, my, my husband and daughter who had pretty much uprooted their lives for me. And I said to my husband, will, will you let me have a crack at this? I, think, I reckon I can do this. And so I had no choice. I was, I was hungry in several senses. I needed to bring in the money and I was really hungry to have a go at it. So it was a watershed moment, but not the usual, oh, my God, best thing that ever happened to me, redundancy. In mm. hindsight, it totally was. Mm. But at the time, it was incredibly painful and worrying. And, um, but, it, but it got me to where I am today. So there. And you, talk, you touched on there about having a hunger, that you were hungry to set up your own business. What, if you, if you go back those 20 years, what was it that you were hungry about? What was the passion? What was the thing that you felt you could do? Well, well there were two things. I, I talk about hunger being, um, you know, you've got to, I, I am now the primary breadwinner. So literally if I don't earn money, we go hungry. So there's that element of it around making sure that we have sufficient earnings. But what's always, there's two things that have driven me. The personal drive has always been around choice, yeah. around I want to I have a life by design where I get to choose. Um, and familiar with the adage of work your love with people you like the way that you want from the thought leader business school world. Um, and before I even knew that, that's how I liked to run my world. I used to quote from Pretty Woman. I say who, I say when, I say how much. And so that's always been my mantra. I want to be in control of that. And then the second thing was we spend so much time at work and I had 
even though it's now 20 years ago now, but I have, prior to that I had about, um, you know, 15, 20 years in a corporate environment and I'd seen enough to know that there's got to be a better way. Mm. My husband also still remained in corporate and the stories he would tell me, I kept thinking, oh, there's got to be a better way. And and the other the thing that really prompted me around that is, is none of it's that hard. And so I've always had, had this big driver of how do I make this easier? How do we make work work? And what are the simple things we can do? Because it's not that hard to show up, play nicely and get the job done. And so that's, I've always been super practical around that, giving people stuff that actually works. I love that. There's got to be a better way. I was reading recently that we spend on average 100,000 working hours at work. So when we talk about got to be a better way, what is it that you're seeing from the work that you are doing or even the last 20 years that isn't working? Well, it's funny you should say, um, you know, doing a calculation on the amount of hours we spend at work. I was recently doing a calculation on the amount of time we spend on email. And uh, I can't remember the exact numbers now, but but the, the calculation in the end, I asked them, you know, I, I do in this little calculation, if you reduced your email by 20%, how much time would that give you back in your life? And this particular um, person I was working with, their calculation, it ended up being 28 days. Wow. So, and that's just 20% saving on email. So I'm sure someone smarter than me can do the maths in their head around, so how much time are they spending on email? But a 20% saving was going to give them 28 days diary. So the first thing I think about is, you know, what are the things that we spend most of our time doing? And it's things like email, it's things like meetings. Um, and, and in fact, I would say those two are the, the biggest primary things that people talk to me about when I say, what are the things that get in the way of you doing work? I spend too much time in meaningless meetings and I spend too much time having to process my email. I'm always mm-hmm. looking for the things that are getting... So this is why I say 25-minute meetings. There's a simple thing we can do to reduce the time of those. Um, or, you know, getting control of your email. How do you send, send less? You know, and I know that's a statement, but it's like if I send less, I'm going to... <laughs> Maybe I'll get so, less So I think about that, those things. Um, and I don't know that they're necessarily the modern problems. I think they've been around for a while. They're just getting bigger. So you've had 20 years, you said, in running your own business or your own practice, which is a phenomenal achievement in its time. I'm interested in what's kept you going, Um, you know, being able to motivate yourself over that 20 years where I'm sure it hasn't been all unicorns and rainbows and there's been times that have been harder than others. How have you managed to keep yourself going? Look, I reckon it's a few things. Um, it's always different work with different clients, different people. So every day is different. And even when I've had times when I've been rolling the same program out, for example, to multiple, over multiple times, it's still a bunch of different bunch of people that come in every time. And so that, that I think just being interested in the audiences that I have rather than the content, because I know some people talk about, you know, I've rolled out this same workshop a hundred times and I'm bored. I'm like, well, I never get bored with that because it's always a different audience and there's always some different dynamic that I get to play with. So, so that's, that's one thing. And the other is um, it doesn't feel like it in the moment, but it's the reinvention and so, you know, I've been an expert in, in several things in my time and over and, and, and every now and then I'll go, no, you know, what, what's next? What do I want to play with next? What's of interest to me? And, and I tend to go in the direction of things that I find super interesting 
Um, and then, of course, the audience and the, and the work follows from that. So, that's, so there's, there's a couple of things there. Um, to be perfectly honest, because I've been doing it for 20 years, I considered this my job, I've never really stopped mm. to think about what would happen if I didn't. Mm. Um, and, and because I haven't thought that, I've kept going and, and kept doing fun and interesting work. And then, you know, just reminded myself, in taking a job like, um, you know, taking two years out of my business to go and live in China and work for a company for two years. Um, and, and that was, in some respects, to test my thinking. So, um, Janine, you and I both do the kind of work where we go into organisations and we tell managers and leaders, this is what you should be doing, this is how you could do it better. Um, and, and of course it works, but from my mind it was like, I wonder if it actually does. Am I... Am I actually telling people to do stuff that may not actually work? And so I took the two-year contract to test all of my stuff, you know, mm. try everything that I teach, does it work? Um, and the answer was yes. And so had a great time doing that. So I think, um, you know, keeping myself interested in my own work, um, you know, having the variety of people, taking unusual jobs, um, yeah, I think that they're the things that have really kept me going. When were you in China, Donna? Um, I always feel like I want to say, oh, just last year, but it was actually, I got back nearly five years ago, mm. which is interesting. So I was there for 2011 and 12. And what did years. you learn from that experience of living, breathing, working in a different country for quite a long period of time? Yeah, so I'd been going up to China working for this particular client for a couple of years beforehand. So I feel like I'd been going up. So I had, had a bit of an insight into to the the um, to the place, but it's of course it's different when you're living there. And so living, I learned I learned a lot because I lived on my own. Um, the nature of where we live, it was not a simple matter of just packing up and taking hubby with me. So we had a distance relationship for those two years. So one of the things I did learn was that I'm actually okay on my own. Mm. Um, and that's not to say that um, I'm not good with my husband and my marriage. It was just that, you know, I quite like my own company. I quite like myself. I quite didn't, didn't have the need to have lots of people around me or company. So I, I really enjoyed learning that about myself. Um, but in terms of living, you know, in another country, I actually thought that the hardest part would be the China part of it the learning a different language, getting around a, you know, a different city, learning the different cultural of what are norms and what's appropriate and what's not. I thought that would be the hard part, but actually that was the easiest part. Mm. The hard part was being back in an organisation again after not being in one for about 12 or 13 years or longer than that, maybe 14 years. Oh, what so, was hard about it? Tell oh, me more. Just, so it was just the the... Um, the way in which they do things around here, the politics, because I had totally forgotten about um, the, the politics of things and I made so many blunders around I shouldn't have spoken to that person before I spoke to that person and, and you know, messed up. Um, I had a very interesting um, boss who one, one of the things that I talk, talked about earlier was that, you know, I wanted to learn what it was like to work back in an organisation again. Because a lot of people, I'm sure you probably get this as well, Janine, when you're running a session and they'll say something like, that's all well and good, but I've got a really difficult boss who does mm. blah, 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 blah. And I used to think people were just being inflected. And so she, um, she taught me lots of things um, about good and bad bosses, et cetera, all of that sort of stuff. But for me, 
the the real thing was about learning how to work back in an organisation again and and navigate the culture, politics, leadership, management, all of that stuff was just um, really difficult. In fact, going and getting in a taxi and speaking rudimentary Chinese to get myself to a restaurant and ordering off a menu that didn't have any English on it was much easier. And do you think irrespective of country, the challenges are the same in organisations? Look, I think so. I, I think that this is what really inspires me to do my work is that for the most part, organisations are hard to figure out and yet it's simple things that can make them easier. And so I think all, all the stuff I experienced up there, which has gone on to be the inspiration of a lot of my writing and blogging and stuff, was that it's people working with people and having to navigate the relationship stuff. And so I don't think that's different in any organisation. Um, and I think, um, look, there's probably challenges for everyone that go to different countries. I know I, I don't know whether my experience was different to others living in China. Um, I certainly didn't find the living in China the hard part. Mm -hmm. And having said that, I want to be very clear, I was living in Shanghai, which mm -hmm. is a very cosmopolitan city, been exposed to Western influence for a really long time, very modern um, I could go to a supermarket and buy Vegemite if I wanted to. Perhaps if I was living further in in China, in a, in you know in somewhere like Chongqing, which is right in the middle of China, one of the biggest cities that doesn't have a lot of Western um, influence, that might have been different. Um, but yeah, I reckon I, I reckon that would be um, similar. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm a, I know there's going to be a lot of people listening to this podcast that are curious about any tips you can give them on this. Um, there'll be people listening that are going, gosh, yes, I've got that difficult boss or um, I know what I should be doing in terms of leading better, but the politics and the processes are making it difficult. Um, or alternatively, maybe the organisations are going through massive amounts of change making huge amounts of redundancy. And so the people left in the organisation are not only challenged with doing great work, but equally doing more work than ever before. Do you have like maybe two or three tips from your experience and your, your expertise that, that you would give people that may be going, I want to, but I'm struggling a bit here? Yeah, look, um, the thing that I did to, certainly when I was working in that job in China, is I just hit the pause button and, and I mapped the territory that I was working in. So I kind of went in thinking, you know, gung-ho with my enthusiasm and my stuff and, and then got shocked and, and horrified when people wouldn't come along for my ride, what was, you know, you know, obvious to me and saying, no, we can't do it this way, we can't do it that way. So the first thing I did was stop and get to know or map the territory. Um, and I read a really great book at the time uh, by a guy called Joel DeLuca called Political Savvy. And it just told the story, the difference between being political and being politically savvy. And so I decided I need to be politically savvy here. I need to understand how this place works, what are the rules of engagement, and then figure out how to work in this system. And so once I figured that out, and then I also figured out what were the motivators for my boss. So I started to think about managing up from, from the perspective of what makes her what will make her comfortable about letting me do what I want to do and what, how is it that what I do is going to make her look better? Um, and so I put aside all this, the dislike stuff 
and thought, okay, I'm working in this system. She works in this system. She wants to do this in this system. How do I help her do that so that I get to do what I want to do? Mm-hmm. And so that, that was, there's no easy answer there. The tip is, you know, to watch and listen. It's yeah. as simple as that. You know, take the time to watch and listen to what goes on in the organisation. Yeah, um, so I love pers- Sorry, go on. No, I just love that concept of hitting the pause button and mapping the ter- territory that you're in. Um, I often talk about it in the context of it's like playing a game of chess and you've got to work out the moves that ultimately are going to achieve the result that you are in there to achieve. And uh, too many people get stuck in their own heads that they can't see that territory. Um, so I love that concept. Well, it's they can't see the territory and often there's, there's multiple reasons why. So um, I, I just spoke with a client yesterday who is feeling swamped and overworked and, you know, goes away for the weekend and as they're driving back into the city is feeling dread about heading back to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's like that should not be the case. And so the first thing I've, I've asked this person to do is I need you to just stop and pay attention to what you're doing to create your best self coming to work. And so, so often we get caught up with everything we're doing. We don't think about, uh, think about that. So I've said to him, you know, go for your walk in the morning before you're diving into your work, because otherwise the more away from yourself, the less you're going to show up as your best self, because it just shouldn't be that work should be something that we dread. It just shouldn't, you know, a manager or a project or anything that we're doing at work, we shouldn't be dreading it, you know? Well, the amount of statistics that are coming out about the lack of well-being, increased depression, et cetera, et cetera, um, driven through people reaching burnout is quite frightening, actually. So, So you talk about creating your best self. How do you create your best self? How do you make sure you are always as match fit as you can be? So my number one thing is sleep. I'm, I'm absolutely um, sacrosanct about making sure I get a good night's sleep. And I, so I, you know, I'm a, I'm a bit of an old nana. I go to bed early and I wake up early. Um, and so I try to get my eight hours. And that's, I, you know, people have asked me before, what's the secret of my success and energy? I would say um, definitely sleep. But, but, you know, just to go back on your point around burnout and, and wellness and, and, and all of that stuff in workplaces, I think it's because people don't know, they've forgotten how to show up as their best selves. Mm. And so when I say showing up as your best self, it's like the metaphor I use is, you know, when you're on a plane and they're doing the safety thing and they say the mask will drop from the ceiling and make sure you put your mask on first before putting other people's masks on. Mm. I think people are so busy putting everyone else's masks on that they forget their own. Mm. And so they're so busy worrying about, everything at work that they they're not breathing clearly they're not thinking clearly and that has a knock-on effect of course to how they do their work so if they're able to as I said stop and pause and think about my best self is you know when I when I get a really good night's sleep when I wake up and have my granola homemade granola for breakfast um, when I have a chance to have a conversation with someone who I find uplifting in the mornings Mm. that they're the kind of things that I that set me up beautifully for the day um, and so if I was at work, it would be the same thing. I'd make sure I'd um, get my good night's sleep. If um, I know, Janine, you're a runner, so I'd be, you know, going for a run in the morning, having a good hearty breakfast and going into the office and, mm. you know, booking appointments a couple of mornings a week when it's someone that I have to work with and have to talk with but that I really like, mm. you know, so I'm kind of getting that, that best self juice, if you will, before I get into my day. And to me, it's all wrapped up in ownership. It's everything you're talking to is about ownership. So the way I 
stay engaged is, is again, I, I wish I could give you something really profound, but it's like I, I follow advice from others around what books should I be reading. And so I do a lot of reading around latest thinking. I, um, I do read Twitter feed I disagree with just to find out what the other side of the world is having to say about things that I agree or disagree with. So I'm not living in a bubble. Um, I like to, I, ha, I have a bunch of people that I regularly spend time with that share with me what they're doing and I get curious about that. So I suppose if I was to sum it up in a word, it would be curiosity mm. um, is, is that's how you stay interested is just being curious about what's happening around you. That's awesome. So, um, you know, we often hear conversations about what people want to become or why they're, they're working and you're quite clear around your whole thing is around choice. My final question is um, to you is what do you, Donna, want to be remembered for? Oh, wow. Um. So I go immediately to my family around that mm-hmm. stuff. So if I'm thinking from a personal perspective, I want to be remembered as, um, and maybe it's the same for professional as I think about it, as as someone who walks their talk, someone who was who congruently lived their life the way they wanted to live it, and congruently showed up um, every day the same way, and and was a I set an example through doing that. Um, and so when my daughter or my nieces and nephews look at me or think. I want them to think of, of someone who, you know, had a plan, set out to do it and congruently achieved everything she wanted to do. Um, and so from a workplace or professional perspective, um, I, that, that I helped people play nicely and get the job done in a way because we have to work, that, that meant that their work was, um, you know, powerful for them um, and not, the, not a drag, you know. Mm. Donna, it's been an absolute joy to spend the last lot of time with you. Um, There were some real gems in what you shared. Your conversation around the challenge in organisation is that people are having to work with people and navigate the relationship stuff. Um, The discussion we had around all of us have to make sure that we very regularly are hitting the pause button and mapping out the territory that we're working in. And I love your stuff around creating and bringing your best self to everything that we do. It's been an absolute joy. Your book, 25 Minute Meetings, is a powerful tool for anyone and everyone, and I'd highly recommend it. Um, It's been great to have you. How can people find you if they want to find out more, Donna? The best way is just to come to my website, donnamcgeorge.com, or you can email me at d at donnamcgeorge.com. And I think I'm across all the social media platforms. You should have no difficulty finding me if you go and do a bit of a Google search. Excellent. Thanks for your time, Donna. It's been absolutely awesome having you on this latest episode of Unleashing Brilliance. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. We hope you enjoyed listening to The Janine Garner Show. Follow her blog, purchase her books, or find out more. Visit her website, janinegarner.com.au. Brilliant people, extraordinary results.